anymore. I like what John Piper said. He said, if we collect all the authentic stories from all over the world, from all the missionaries and all the saints and all the countries of the world, all the cultures of the world, if we could collect all the millions of encounters between Christians and demons and Christians and sickness and all the so-called coincidences of the world, I think we would be stunned because we would think we were living in a world of miracles, which we are. See, in the New Testament, miracles were rare too. When Jesus did a miracle, people weren't like, oh, that happens all the time. That's kind of how we look at the New Testament, right? We look at the early church. We're like, miracles happened all the time. They were old hat. They still stood out even then. And I think that even now today, God is still working powerfully, supernaturally in our world. So over the next few weeks, we're going to dig into seven miracles that are recorded in the Gospel of John. And all the Gospels record miracles, miraculous things that Jesus did. But John records seven, and he calls them sign miracles. He specifically points out these seven sign miracles. And what does a sign do? A sign points towards something, points at something. See, miracles are pointing in the Gospel of John that Jesus is God. And I think miracles in our lives are pointing us to recognize there's something beyond just this physical world of living and eating and sleeping and dying. See, a miracle, something supernaturally, God showing off and showing up in our life, points us to realize that there's something more beyond just this physical, everyday life that we have, that there's something spiritual beyond that, there's a God beyond that, a God named Jesus that loves us. And so let's jump into this first sign miracle in John chapter 2, starting in verse 1. And it says, On the third day, a wedding took place in Cana of Galilee, and Jesus' mother was, was there, and Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding as well. When the wine ran out, Jesus' Jesus's mother told him they don't have any wine. And then he said, What does that have to do with you and me, woman? My hour has not yet come. Do whatever he tells you, his mother told the servants. And now six stone water jars had been set there for Jewish purification, each containing 20 or 30 gallons. Fill the jars with water, Jesus told them, and so they filled them to the brim. And then he said to them, now draw some out and take it to the head waiter, and they did so. When the head waiter tasted the water, after it had become wine, he did not know where it came from. And though the servants who had drawn the water knew, he called the groom and said, everyone sets out the fine wine first, and then after people are drunk, the inferior wine. But you've kept the fine wine until now. And Jesus did this, the first of his signs in Cana of Galilee. He revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. Let's pray for a minute. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for being a God who cares about the little things in our lives, who doesn't just hold miracles for the big, world-changing, altering events, but also works in everyday country weddings. And God, I pray that tonight that you will challenge us to be obedient when you call us to fill up water jars so that we might see you work miracles in our everyday life. And I pray this all like I believe Jesus Christ would. Amen. Now that's the first thing I want to point out to us is in verse 3. This is a very small event. God doesn't limit his miraculous intervention, his supernatural showing up and showing off to just big world-altering events. Yes, he loves to show up in big world-altering ways, but he also likes to show up in everyday life, such as he did here in a small country wedding. We serve a God who is interested in reaching millions of people with the good news of Jesus Christ, but he doesn't just limit his interest or his focus to that. He's also interested in the small, everyday issues in our lives. 
Does it really matter if these people who are unnamed and lived 2,000 years ago had a good wedding or whether people went away thinking, oh man, they didn't have enough to drink for everybody. That was a poorly planned wedding. It's not that big of an issue. Everybody who's affected has been dead for thousands of years, and yet God was concerned because people were concerned. And where people are concerned, God is interested and concerned. God doesn't limit his miracles to big works or big activities or big events. He's just as happy to work small. Sometimes we're not. We only want to work big. We don't want to work small. But God never minds working small. And I think it's interesting, um, if you've ever played a video game where you have an energy bar, and as you take different actions, your energy bar goes down, you know, you're like using too much energy, you usually save it up for something really important. You don't waste it on small things. God doesn't have an energy bar. He's not like, well, if I do this little thing for Larry, I won't have enough energy over here to do this big thing for Philly. No, he's like, he's got plenty of energy. He never runs out. He's like, I can do something for Larry, I can do something for Cindy, and I can do something for Philly. There's no limit to his power or his energy, his ability to supernaturally show up and show off. He doesn't have to conserve it for big miracles or for the big picture. See, small things matter to God because small things matter to us and we matter to God. So God cares about the small things and sometimes he shows up miraculously in small details and small events and in small occasions. You'll notice next year in verse 5, his mother, Mary, says, do whatever he tells you to the servants. I think the first principle we have to look at as we think about how do I position myself to see Jesus working in the world is to be obedient. What would have happened if these servants had said, uh, yeah, I'm not going to do what you say. He's like, go get those jars. And they're like, nah. They would have missed out on the miracle. If they hadn't obeyed, they would have missed the miracle. See, obedience is key to seeing a miracle. Many of us haven't seen a miracle because there's a key area in our life where we've chosen to be disobedient. And we're missing out on what God is doing all around us. And you might say, well, wait a minute, Alex. Are you saying that God punishes me for being disobedient by keeping miracles away from me? No. Every time that Jesus shows up in our life or in our world, it's a gift of grace. It's undeserved. Grace is Jesus and God acting on who they are, not on who we are, not on what we've done. But see, when we're obedient, we get busy working where Jesus is already working. When we get obedient, we get on the front lines of a spiritual war, and that's where God is showing up and showing off. If you say, I want to see the best military equipment in the military during a conflict, you don't go way back behind the safe lines back to the headquarters. That equipment's on the front lines. And if you want to see a miracle, that's not going to be on the spiritual back lines where it's safe and comfortable. That's going to be on the spiritual front lines. And we get there when we choose to be obedient in our everyday life. See, when we're disobedient in an area of our life, we're running away from the places where Jesus is working, where he's impacting, where he's asking us to join in what he's doing. And that's why we miss out on the dramatic ways that he's displaying his glory. And being disobedient isn't just doing wrong things. That's usually what we think about it, right? But it's also failing to do the right thing. And I think sometimes failing to do the right things, the things we should be doing, we miss out on the places and the ways that Jesus is working miracles in our world. And so some of us, we've been disobedient because we've not been connected with other believers. Some of us have been disobedient because we've refused to love people who have hurt us. 
Some of us have been disobedient because we never talk to other people about who Jesus is and what he's done. Some of us have been disobedient and avoided the places that God is known to show up, like his word and prayer. And by our disobedience, we've missed out on the places where Jesus is working miracles. You say, Alex, I want to see a miracle. Sometimes we've missed it because of our choice to be disobedient. To run from God instead of running to where he's at. And you'll notice what he gives them as a task here. It's not this grand gesture. You know, he's like, say these magic words or do this great deed or climb to the top of this mountain. He says, fill the jars with water. That's kind of boring, right? It's not a real exciting thing. If I'm like, Jesus, do a miracle. He's like, okay, fill that jar up with water. I'm like, no, give me something hard to do. Really make this exciting. And he's like, no, 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 no. I'm like, how about I speak to a thousand people, Jesus, and you make it really awesome. And he's like, no, fill this jar up with water. See, Jesus wants everyday obedience. We want these big, flashy acts of obedience. Jesus is looking for us to fill up jars with water. God is looking for long obedience in the same direction. He's not looking for flashy acts. He's looking for people who are going to be faithfully obedient every day. Those are the people who end up seeing miracles. See, when we do small things, small acts of obedience, like they're big things, then God starts to do big things like they're small things in our life. We start to see him show up supernaturally in our lives in powerful ways. See, small acts of obedience are essential ingredients to a miracle. If you want to see a miracle, it involves doing the simple acts of obedience every day. Had these servants who heard Jesus here been like, man, filling up water, what good is that going to do? We don't have months for these grapes, you know, to turn into wine. Or maybe if they had just picked up the jar and said, no, and smashed it. Or they said, you know what, rather than water, why don't we put some peanut butter in here? You know, that would be interesting. You know, if they had done anything else rather than the simple thing that he had told them, they would have missed out on the miracle. And I think a lot of times Jesus tells us to do very simple things in our everyday life. And we're like, nah, I don't, I don't want to do it that way. I'm going to put peanut butter in these jars. Or, you know what? I'm going to put um, something else rather than water. Let's put mud in there, you know. And we just, we, we hate to be told what to do so much. And I think the reality is we fail to obey him on an everyday um, in, in our everyday lives, and as a result, we miss out on the miraculous things that he wants to do in us and through us and in our lives. See, I think that Jesus still would have found a way to bring wine to this wedding, but you know who would have missed the miracle? The servants. If they weren't obedient, Jesus still would have been working at the wedding. And I think that many times, Jesus is still working all around us, in our community, in our families, and many times we're missing it because of our refusal to be obedient. And finally, look down here in verse 11. What was the result of a miracle? And this is always the result of God supernaturally showing up and showing off. So Jesus did this, the first of his signs in Cana of Galilee. He revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. See, the result of a miracle was always... God showing up and showing off his glory in a new, intense way, and people's faith increasing as a result. See, the byproduct of a miracle may be your circumstances changing. We love that. But the purpose of a miracle is to glorify God and to help others believe. And so I have a question for you. Is there a place where you want to see God supernaturally show up and show off in your life? 
I want you to join me in thinking about at least one area in your life that we're going to pray over in this series and say, God, I want you to show up and show off. Now, our tendency is to want to see a miracle because it makes our lives better or it fixes something that's wrong. But I want you to pray this way. God, I want you to show up and show off for your glory and so that other people believe. Because that's always the purpose of a miracle. Do you long for people to see the God you worship revealed in a powerful way? Or do you simply want your life to be easier? Or do you simply want to experience something that feels new or different or exciting? I believe that the greatest miracle that God is doing in our world today is changing the desires of people's hearts. And along that line, I want to share with you a story because, you know, our, our natural selfish tendency is to pursue our own interests. And selfishness, or sin as the Bible calls it, always damages relationships. Our relationships with other people and our relationship with God. But selflessly, Jesus Christ came into the world and he died in your place and my place for our selfishness, for your selfishness, for mine. He laid down his life and now he invites people to follow him, to become his follower, to live and love like he did. And that's a life that he promises to supernaturally empower with the Holy Spirit. And I believe that when people come to Jesus, he supernaturally transforms their life. He changes their desires. He changes the whole trajectory of their life. And you say, Alex, why do you believe that? Because someone at school taught you that or because you heard that in church? No, because I've experienced that. Not only personally, but I want to share with you the story of my dad. See, I wasn't raised in a family where my parents were like, we love Jesus and you're going to love Jesus too. My dad was an atheist. If anything, he was like, Buddhism probably makes the most sense to me. And I remember my mom, she wasn't a believer, but she started taking us down the street to this church because she was like, my kids need to make friends. And so we started going down there, and then pretty soon my mom heard about Jesus and heard that she couldn't earn his favor. He had freely given it, and all she did was have to accept it, and it transformed her life. And so suddenly she begins talking about Jesus, and my dad's like, no. We're not having any of this. And I remember on Saturday, uh, Sunday mornings, we'd get up and my mom would get us ready for church. And my dad would be like, cartoons are on. Stay and watch cartoons. He'd bring out the junk food, you know. I was a real fat little kid. I loved Twinkies. He'd be like, Twinkies and cartoons with your dad. And I'd be torn, you know. Do I go with my mom or do I stay and watch cartoons? And I remember my mom started to gather together with some other ladies in the church she was going to. And they began to pray for my dad. They began to pray, Lord Jesus, draw Jeff my dad's name to yourself my dad wanted nothing to do with church we'd drive by church and he'd go look at all those hypocrites over there look at those hypocrites and he wanted nothing to do with it and pretty soon he started to encounter people who went to that same church as my mom in his workplace and they started saying hey jeff you should come to church with your wife sometime hey jeff have you thought about this and so he started to work through some of his intellectual doubts and my mom was praying every week with these women pretty soon he started coming into church and he'd sit there and he's like believe any of this is garbage and he began to wrestle through some of these things and you know what happened he reached a point where he said you know what jesus christ is god two thousand years ago there was a real man named jesus and he wasn't just a man he was god and he put his faith and trust in jesus christ and it transformed him he's a completely different guy now he serves in his church he's a leader in his church and you look back and you say wow you're a radically different person. What you care about, how you spend your money, how you spend your time, the desires of your heart are radically different. What changed? And he would tell you one thing, Jesus. <clears throat> See, I think one of the biggest miracles that are happening every day all around us is people are encountering Jesus and it's fundamentally transforming who they are. 
And I think that's the greatest miracle that you can experience in your life as well. Have you? If not, today can be the day where you say, Lord Jesus, I want to be your follower. I believe you're the son of God. I want you to save me and change me. That's what my dad prayed. They changed everything. So as we close here, what I want you to think about is what's your miracle that you're going to be praying for through this series? What area of your life do you want God to supernaturally show up and show off? Not so that you can be more comfortable or not so you can be like, I was part of a miracle and I got to live stream it and put it on my social feed. But so that people can know you serve a real God so that he can be glorified and so that people can believe. And finally, is there an area in your life where you haven't been obedient? And maybe you're missing miracles because you've chosen to be disobedient. And God's not keeping miracles from you. He's still doing them all around you. But you're just missing them because you're not choosing to join him where he's already working. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your word. Lord, thank you for being a God of miracles. Not a God who did miracles thousands of years ago, but you're still a God who's transforming lives and you're changing the world even now. We stand in a world of miracles. And God, we don't want to miss where you're working or how you're working how you're supernaturally showing up and showing off. And so God, help us to be an obedient people so we can be on the front lines to see you work, so we can join in on what you're doing as you seek to transform hearts and minds and lives and change people from being self-focused to other-focused. And I pray all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.